With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Another edition of the Neek and Chuck Pro Football Talk Show. I am your host, Neek. My main man, Mr. C. Better known as Chuck, is my co-host with me for tonight's show. And always, you know how we do it every Wednesday night. But Mr. Chuck, Mr. C, what's going on, man? How you doing tonight, brother? Doing fantastic, Neek. The draft is over. Uh, That's one step on the way, one step closer to actual football being played. Uh, next, I believe we got up. We got the rookie mini camps, uh, some more OTAs, and then training camp will be here before we know it. So I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Um, the only thing I'm not excited about, we got to get through the month of June and about the first three weeks of July, because you know we got baseball going on and and soccer and bowling and, and NBA playoffs right now, which is not too promising right now. I mean, pretty much as we look at the NBA playoffs. Looks like the Cavs and the Warriors are on a collision course to play each other in the finals because the Cavs won the night in a dominant fashion. But this is not about basketball, not about baseball, not about soccer, not about bowling, not about any other sport. This is about football, the best sport in the world, in America. And, you know, fans, that's why you tune in every Wednesday night to listen to us because we drop it to you like it's hot. Nothing about that hot fire. But anyway, tonight's show, fans, we're going to recap um, you know, each division. Uh, we're going to start off. Actually, you know what, tonight, Chuck, I think we should start off with the NFC West. We're going to start off the NFC West because I know usually when we do our free agency show, when we did our draft preview show, usually we go in order, start from the AFC conference, starting off that AFC East. But I know some of them Seattle fans, some of them Rams fans, they're just like, man, we don't never get no love. Y'all never talk about us. Y'all put us on the back burner. Y'all talk about us about two, three minutes left in the show. And they don't like that. So tonight, fans, we're going to start off that division. But before we start off that division, there was a big signing. Last big, well, should I say last big free agent, Domino the Fall. I wouldn't say all that. But um, back in 2012, he was one of the premier running backs in the NFL. And that is Mr. Jamal Charles, who signed a one-year deal with the Denver Broncos. And he came out and said that this is not about money. He always grew up as a Broncos fan. And he's looking forward to show the Broncos and the rest of the league that he is healthy and that he can still contribute at a high level and he can help these Broncos win some games. So 
that being said, when I look at this signing, I say, wow, why do they bring in Jamal Charles in? You got C.J. Anderson. You have uh, Devontae Booker, who they drafted last year. And now you have Jamal Charles. So maybe they're going to bring him in as a, like a little scat bag. Maybe he's coming in on third down. But that's why I leave it up to you, man, because, you know, I got to ask you that question. Chuck, how do you feel about this signing? And what – what what kind of production do you think the Broncos are going to be getting out of Jamal Charles? Because like I said, you know, they got Devontae Booker who contributed last year, C.J. Anderson. You know, he was a beast. He got injured towards the end of the season. So I'm just trying to figure out, man, Chuck, help help me help me understand how they're going to use Jamal Charles in this running back attack. I don't know. I can't say. I mean, I don't know how to – I don't know what the Broncos have planned for him. Uh you know, Jamal Charles, when he was healthy, uh, he was a very good player with the Chiefs. Excellent. Matter of fact, one of the, for a year or two there, he was the best He was the best running back in the league. Uh, he catched the ball out the backfield. We know he's explosive, but we know uh, his injury, his injury history. I believe right now he's not even back to 100% healthy. I know he has a knee issue. Uh, I believe when he got signed, uh, you know, people were saying he's about 90% recovered from that surgery. So how are they going to use him? Like I said, I don't know. I don't know what they have in the, in the game plan for him. Uh, but with a versatile running back like Jamal Charles, you can find different ways to use him. And then just because they already have running backs on the roster doesn't mean anything. Uh, because you can never have too many running backs nowadays. It's about running back, back, it's about running back by committee anyway. The more running backs you have out there, the that can contribute, uh, the healthier your running backs will be towards the end of the year because we know that these guys take a pounding. We know that over the past few years, the running back position has been devalued, but now starting maybe last year, but definitely this year, we can see that running backs are once again being valued uh, with running backs being taken in the first round. Like for a while there, we weren't seeing no running backs taking the first round. It'd be late, late, late first round. But in this draft, uh, we had a lot of, we had a lot of great running backs. As we know, Leonard Fournette went in that first round. Joe Mixon, he went in the top 50. Uh, so, Running backs are coming back around. So, you can never have too many good running backs, especially running backs that can catch the ball out the backfield, especially running backs, uh, veteran, you know, veteran running backs. So, I don't know. We'll see what it, we'll see what they have uh, game plan for the Broncos. Uh, I'm sure the Broncos would prefer to add a veteran quarterback to the roster uh, because that's their real concern there uh, is that quarterback position. But, you know, running back – Okay, it's cool, but you know Trevor Simeon has somebody else to hand the ball off to, so it's a good look. I mean, as long as both parties are happy, I think it's it's a good sign. All right, Jamal Charles, we wish you the very best. All right, fans, we're going to start with the NFC West, and the way we're going to do this tonight is we're not going to run through every team's draft pick because we don't have that much time, and not every draft pick is going to make the team. Not every draft pick is irrelevant. <clears throat> Excuse me. But we're going to just touch on the draft picks we think are going to contribute. We think there were some good picks, you know. So I'm going to start off with these San Francisco 49ers because, man, when we was watching this draft, Chuck, you know, you and I was on the phone. And next thing you know, the 49ers was on the clock because we already know who the Browns were taking. The Browns already made their decision. 
But there was a trade. The Bears traded up with the San Francisco 49ers. And I know John Lynch was like, are you serious? <laughs> you want to actually step in front of us? Okay. And, you know, and it's funny because on uh, CNN, SportsIllustrated.com, they have a little piece on there talking about inside the 49ers um, draft room, which is actually pretty good, fans. You definitely should check out the article. Definitely good article. Give you some good insight to what John, general manager John Lynch's first draft, what he was thinking, because he even said, like, who the heck are they taking, man? It's got to be Trubisky. It's got to be the quarterback. But anyway, the Bears, they gave away too much to move up just one spot. And with that being said, the 49ers were able to get two first-round draft picks. Both of their first-round draft picks, I love. Defensive tackle, Solomon Thomas, <clears throat> he's definitely going to start at the defensive tackle position. Um, at the end of the first round, they were able to get middle linebacker Ruben Foster, who I think is going to come in and be a beast. I think he's going to supplant Malcolm Smith, who they signed um, this free agency. But I'm telling you, 49ers fans, Malcolm Smith, not going to make it all year because we had him in Oakland. He had his first good year when he came over to us. He looked solid. But once you start seeing him can't cover them tight ends, he start trolling them tight ends, you're going to be like, damn, he sucks. And so that's why my Raiders had to get rid of him. He is the worst in coverage covering them tight ends. Plus, he whiffs, missed a lot of tackles. So, Ruben Foster, if he's healthy, if he learns his playbook, if he shows progress, I think he's going to end up supplanting him. And then the third round, I do like the quarterback selection of Iowa's quarterback, C.J. Beathard. Um, great leader, has a high football IQ. Um, I think he has a shot, man. When you when you look at the quarterbacks on this roster right now, Brian Hoyer, I mean, come on. I mean, come on. I mean, you know, I, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if C.J. Beathard takes advantage of his um, training camp and shows – uh, Kyle Shanahan, that he's learned this offense and, and that he's making progress, man. I wouldn't be shocked if they might give him a shot. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm not, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I wouldn't be shocked if he gets a shot because, like I said, there's not much competition at the QB position on this roster. But those are my three uh, picks that I like for this team. And, Chuck, who you got? Uh, We – well, I'm talking we about both, run, we both run it down, yeah. right? We got 31 other teams. We both run it down. No, 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 no. I'm gonna let you. Uh, I'm gonna let you go ahead and pick one. Grab a team in this NFC West. We just go back and forth. So you want me to team, not a. Uh... So yeah, you want me to a... okay? Uh, team. Uh, who it was? So we in the NFC East, the NFC, NFC West. West. Mm-hmm. NFC West. I guess I gotta go with the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Seattle Seahawks. Obviously, it was a surprise pick when they uh, um, they they traded with the Jacksonville Jaguars and got Malik McDowell. Now I know Nick. We talked about Malik McDowell uh, before before the draft happened. I told you, um, yeah, I kind of I kind of like the dude. I think he, I think he's gonna do some things. He's like, nah, dude. He yeah, he got that inconsistent <laughs> motor. He got that he he got that bad transmission. He got that bad starter. You don't know if it's gonna you know you don't know if it's gonna start or not. Or you know if he gonna come to play that day, but you know he went to uh, I think the perfect coach for this uh, situation. We all we all know uh, head coach's history with USC. Uh, he has one he had one of the most talented college football teams that's ever been. Uh, Pete Carroll. That's what I'm talking about. The head coach. Uh, we know Pete Carroll is what we call a player's coach. Now. Let me just explain this real quick because a lot of people be like, players coach, uh, that means he lets them do whatever they like. No, a player's coach, to me, 
and to most other people, me, uh, most other, you know, people that played the game, is that a, a coach that can relate to the players, not necessarily let the players go off and do what, do whatever the hell they want to do and uh, favor the uh, best players and, and, and always harping on the, the lesser talented players. No, Pete Carroll is, knows how to relate to players. He knows how to relate to, to human beings. Uh, from all, I've never met the guy, but I'm sure he's a great human being. I know about all the the off the field things he used to do here in Southern California because I am a resident of Southern California, specifically Los Angeles. And he did a lot of stuff for the community uh, that other coaches and other people at his particular level of success wouldn't do. Uh, and I know he's also worked with the great Jim Brown on doing things uh, or helping gangs in Southern California. And I personally met Mr. Jim Brown, but we don't get into that right now. But what I'm trying to say is Pete Carroll is the coach that Malik Medal should have been praying for him to have to be able to pull the greatness that I think Malik McDowell has in him out. Pete Carroll should be able to do that. All Malik has to do is just show up and do what he's told. That's it. Just show up and they do what they do what Pete Carroll do what those coaches tell you to do. And I think he'd be a great he's gonna be a great player, man, because he he's one of the most athletic uh D linemen in this draft, 6'6", almost 300 pounds. He can play inside. He can play outside. Very talented guy. And then uh, to join him, my other pick in this draft uh, for the Seattle Seahawks is going to probably be lining up right next to him in a couple of years, and that's Nasir Jones. Now I'm not talking about the rapper Nas. I'm talking about Nasir Jones, a defensive tackle out of North Carolina, 6'5", five, six five, 304 pounds. Woo, that uh, Seattle – front uh d line is gonna be they're gonna be huge man and i know i wouldn't go out to eat with them because they're gonna make your ass pay and these dudes they look like they can eat a lot so nasir jones i think he's gonna be a great fit as well but like malik medal he needs to listen to what they they, they tell him to do and they'll be able to pull the greatness out of him because he definitely has the body size he definitely has the athleticism uh and it's up to the seattle coaches to bring him out so those are my two guys all right, L.A. Rams, Mr. Sean McVay just had your first draft as the new coach of the Los Angeles Rams. And I look at this draft for the Rams. We know they didn't have a first-round pick, so they start in the second round. They got them a tight end um, because when you look at the tight end on their roster, they don't really have nobody. <laughs> I mean, they really don't. You got Tyler Higby and Tameric Hemingway, and those sound like authors. Those sound like some book authors. So, um, <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. I'm just looking like, okay. So they decided to go ahead and take tight end out of South Alabama, Mr. Gerald Everett, who's a playmaker, man. I like Gerald Everett. He's got great hands, great size. Um, he has great speed. The only issue is, can he block? And in college in South Alabama, you know, in that conference, he wasn't able to do much blocking. He was just mainly a pass-catching tight end. Third round, I love the pickup of the wide receiver, Cooper Cup. Um, I think he's going to come in here, play a big role in this offense, because right now the Rams really don't have a number one wide receiver. I know if people want to say uh, Tavon Austin, well, they paid Tavon Austin like he's a number one wide receiver, but he's more of a gadget guy, more of a slot wide receiver. But I don't know why his ass is a number one receiver. He's not. And now that they brought in Robert Woods. So if you think Robert Woods is the number one wide receiver, you're kidding yourself, all jokes aside. But like I said, Cooper Cup has a good shot in this offense because right now you look at the receiving core, like I said, Woods, Austin. You have Bradley Marquez, Mike Thomas, Farrell Cooper, 
and now Cooper Cup. And then I also like the pickup of uh, fourth round. They went for another wide receiver, the speedy wide receiver out of Texas A.M. and Josh Reynolds. So, you know, the Rams, they got to score some points. We know last year they couldn't score anything. Jared Goff, he was so uncomfortable in the offense. A lot has to do with that offensive line. We already know how bad Greg Robinson is. Big old bust. Need to get his ass on out the lead. Terrible on that offense line. Um, so they, they just relegate him to the bench. And Roger Saffo, we got him on the line. He just can't stay healthy. But so I, I look at the Rams draft. Eh, it was all right. I mean, not really big names. I mean, they went for needs. Um, also, I got to mention, uh, they did in the third round get safety. Uh, John Johnson out of Boston College. I like his aggressive style, his play. I think he has a good shot to come in here, maybe start at the free safety position over Mo Alexander or, you know, strong safety over Isaiah Johnson So or uh, LaMarcus Joyner. So, I mean, you know, it remains to be seen. Everything was going to work itself out during training camp. But those are the picks that I like for these Los Angeles Rams. Don't love them, but, hey. They fit for this team so far. And all that's left in the NFC West is the Arizona Cardinals. And I'm only going to talk about one player, one player that the Cardinals draft because I wanted him oh so bad uh, is Buda Baker, safety out of Washington. I was so mad when the uh, Cardinals swept in with that trade from the Bears and uh, uh, took Buda Baker. Because I think Buda Baker is going to be a fantastic player. Uh, Buda Baker, as we all know, he he's almost like a clone of Tyron Matthew, who the Cardinals already have on their roster. So why would they draft a clone to uh, uh, to basically play on the same team, almost the same position as the guy they already have, the Tyron Matthew, who they paid all this money to uh, last year, a couple years ago? The reason they did that is because Tyron Matthew can't stay healthy for the entire season. Last year, he only played 10 games, only had 35 tackles, one sack, one interception. And you look at those numbers, you'd be like, uh, 35 tackles, one sack, one interception? Why? Like, I don't understand the hype in Tyron Matthew. I don't understand the hype either because the dude, he was a beast. He was the honey badger back at LSU. His rookie season, uh, you know, he did some things. You, he, you saw some flashes. You saw some fat flashes, and he's been put on this big pedal stool. He's gotten this big contract from the Cardinals. I think, Nick, I don't know if we did a show about it. I said in the show, or it was just when you and I was conversing, talking about that football, when I was talking about, uh, when we was talking about Tyron Matthew didn't deserve that contract they got. But the Cardinals need to pay somebody. They got to pay somebody. Uh, so they paid Carson Palmer and Tyron Matthew. But when he's healthy, Tyron Matthew is a playmaker. And that's what they, and that's what I see in Buda Baker. Uh, he's a hitter. Uh, he, he's small. He's only 5'10", uh, less than 200 pounds. But you know what? He plays like he's 6'9", 400 pounds. And I love that in a player. Sometimes that's what I love about the game of football, man, is that it transcends talent. Ta- yes, talent is important. Talent is important. But if you run a, a 5740 and uh, uh, 5740, you you got 30% body fat, you can still go out there and do some things. I mean, look at Tom Brady. We all know from his combine when he's running at 40, it looked like he was running backwards. Uh, but you know what Tom Brady was? He had the desire. He had the heart. He had the uh, smarts. And he had the motivation to be the great player that he is. And I think Buda Becker has all those things. But he's also athletic. Uh, he's a hitter. He's not afraid to hit you. So that's the only thing I'm worried about is when it comes to those hits, man, because we all know the old great safety from the Indianapolis Colts, Bob Sanders, 
Uh, he that played it with the Iowa Hawkeyes. We know he was great. I think he was even defensive player of the year one year. Great safety, hard hitter. But you know what? Injuries caught up to him because his body couldn't take it. You know, when you still hitting them like uh, Willie Beeman said, in any given Sunday, you hitting them two hundred, you hitting them three hundred fifty pound MFs. Your body can your body can only hold up for so long when you when they weigh two hundred pounds more than you do. So that's the only thing I'm afraid of with Buda Baker. Buda Baker, man, is I don't think he's gonna be able to uh, uh, sustain a long career if he plays and flies around recklessly like he did in college because these guys and the pros are just too big, too strong uh, for that man. And, and just look at Bob Sanders. His body couldn't hold up. You know, I, I guarantee you Bob Sanders went no lazy bum in the offseason. I'm sure he tried to take care of himself. But it's just the laws of physics, man. Go ask Neil deGrasse, Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson. He will tell you the laws of physics is when you got to put 400 pounds or 350 pounds versus 195 pounds, that 300 pounds going to win almost every time. So that's the only uh, knock I have, but I think this is a great pick for him. Uh, it's almost insurance to Tyron Matthew. And when Tyron Matthew is healthy and both them dudes are on the field, what you going to do? Because you don't know where they're going to come from. They can cover. They can blitz. They ain't not afraid to tackle. Oh, this is just a great pick by the uh, Cardinals. The rest of their draft don't even matter because I think Buda Baker is going to be the star um, <clears throat> of this draft class. All right. So you're talking about the law of physics. All right. Thank you for breaking that down. Let me move over to the NFC South, and let me start with the Tampa Bay Bucks, because you brought up the law of physics. I'm gonna talk about the law of common sense, and that means Dirk Cutter, you better you better go and use that two tight end set all season long, because you guys drafted OJ Howard, the tight end out of Alabama in the first round to man compare, I mean to to uh, pair him up with Cameron Bray. Cameron Bray had eight touchdowns last year, 57 catches for 660 yards. Man, Bray and Howard Tandem, woo-wee. I know Jameis Winston. Mm, look at them fingers right now. It's like, mm, I got Deshaun Jackson down the seam on the post route. Let's see, who else I got? I got my boy. Uh, I think we're going to bring back Vincent Jackson so I can hit him in the red zone. Oh, my boy Mike Evans up top. And then Doug Martin, he finally got together a little bit, and I still got J- Jaquez Rogers, you know, coming in on third down. And I know we drafted Jeremy McNichols in the uh, fifth round, the running back out of Boise State. I can pound him on the goal line. I mean, this offense can be nasty and sick. I'm telling you right now, these Bucks is a sleeper team to watch in this division. I mean, like I said, there's a lot of firepower in that offense. And if Dirk Cutter – just run them two tight ends set all year, man. Because Howard, I think he's probably going to catch 60 balls. He might have seven, eight touchdowns as well. And if Break can uh, just get half of what he did this past season, or hell, if he if he can uh, duplicate what he just did this past season, whew, this offense is going to be unstoppable. And then in the second round, I love to pick up a free safety Justin Evans out of Texas A&M because we know the Bucks' weakness last year was that safety tandem of Chris Conte and uh, Bradley McDowell. McDowell wasn't bad. He went over and signed with Seattle. But, man, Justin Evans, a ball-hawking, playmaking safety, he should come in and start over Ryan Smith at the free safety spot. But he needs to work on the tackling if he wants to start in the NFL. All right, you covered them Bucks. Let's go down to New Orleans. Let's talk about them Saints because New Orleans is one of my favorite cities. I can't wait to go back, give me some gumbo, give me some po' boy, hit Canal Street, and just have a blast. Man, I love New Orleans. Shout out to all those New Orleans fans. Uh, that listen to our show. So, with this draft, New Orleans Saints, 
I, Nick, I don't watch these uh, so-called experts and all this other stuff, so I may be wrong. But are they? Let me ask you. Let me ask you. Since you watch these guys, are they giving the Saints love in this draft? Are they saying the Saints had one of the best drafts? Or did they get an a, a a draft grade of A? Do you know, Nick? What are what are that so-called most of the, experts? Most of the draft grade. Yeah, most of the draft gave, uh, grades from uh, Mel Kuyper to Tom McShay. Well, Tom McShay doesn't really do the grades, but he did c- come in and say that the uh, Saints had a great draft. Uh, Mel Kuyper gave him, I think he gave him like a B plus or a B. Um, so, yeah, I mean, most of, most of the grades. Mel Kuyper is an MF and fool, a B plus. <laughs> man, these Saints deserve an A plus because I, they had one of the best drafts, man. I mean, they draft, they draft was phenomenal, but I'm only going to focus on a couple uh, a couple of players here. We already know about Marshawn, Lattimore. You can never have too many you can never have too many good safeties. Ryan Ramzik, uh we know he was the best offensive lineman there. You know, we know how Wisconsin produces those offensive linemen. Plus Ryan Ramzik, 6'6", 310 pounds. They both hit both A's. The first two picked both A's. Uh, let's skip over Marcus Williams for a second. Alvin Kamara, the running back from Tennessee. This was a great pickup. Uh, like I said, this draft was just so loaded, man. And running back position was nothing different. I know uh, um, your boy from LSU, the running back from LSU, Leonard Fournette. He got all, he got most of the love, uh, um, you know, leading up to the draft. And you know, we heard know about Joe Mixon why he was in the press. But people ain't say too much about Alvin Kamara, the running back from Tennessee. I think this is a great pickup. Um, that backfield in New Orleans is, is fully loaded. I mean, you got AP, you got your boy that was already there, the running back from Alabama. Now you bring it Alvin out, bringing in Alvin Kamara. That backfield is going to be loaded. But my favorite pick for the Saints of this draft is Alex Anzalone. I think that's how you say your name. I apologize, Alex, if I butchered your last name, which I probably did. But anyway, we still love you calling to the show. That's the linebacker, 6'3", 240 pounds, the linebacker from Florida. He's uh, People are like, what? Who is this dude? Man, this dude is very athletic. You look at him, he's like my, your, your, uh, uh, one of your, um, what was dude from, uh, from, what was that, what was that movie called? From the program? You remember the program, Nick? The dude with the mm-hmm. long hair? With the muscles. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I forget Lattimore or something like that. He kind of reminds you of that when you look at him. We got the ponytail, got the long blonde ponytail. But this dude, man, this dude is a beast, man. I think this dude would be an excellent player. He played at the Senior Bowl. If you watched any of the practices that they covered at the Senior Bowl or watched the game, you can see this dude is very athletic. Uh, but like I said, injury history. Will he get on the field right away? I don't think so, but that's okay because I think he can contribute. Uh, where he's going to shine initially when he go down to New Orleans is on that special teams. I think he's going to be a great, great special teams ace. And I, once he learns the system and work, works his way on the field, I think he's going to be a great player, man. But Alex Alonzo Loney, I probably butchered it again, but that's all right because I'm showing you love. Please forgive me, Alex, because I know you're going to be a beast. Now go out there and prove me right. All right. I got a quick question, man. I'm I'm trying to think about this, man. I'm just like, well, my boy DJ Screw, rest in peace, man. But I'm trying to think, man. Did you fake your death? And I, I know that's kind of mean for me to say, but the reason why I'm saying that is because in Carolina last year, it seemed like you was the team DJ. Because when you look at those receivers <laughs> like Devin Funches and Kevin Benjamin, they were slow. Slow. 
<laughs> I mean, they just slow, no speed with this Carolina receiver core. I don't want to hear about Ted again and whatever. But the rest of them guys, I know this year you brought in Charles Johnson and Russell Shepard. And like I said, slow, slow. Yeah, they're slow as well. So with that being said, Carolina said, you know what? Uh, we we got to get some speed. We got to get some playmakers. So first round, they say, you know, we're going to go with the great white hype. And we're going to go ahead and get uh, uh, your boy Christian McCaffrey, the running back from um, Stanford. And, you know, we're going to get him because we need some speed. We know Jonathan Stewart's up there in age. But we need a dangerous, explosive playmaker. We know we already know what Christian McCaffrey uh, did in the Pac-12. But you got to understand, man, it's the NFL I don't think he could break them tackles like that. And he's not a uh, in between the tackle runner. He's more of a um, you know pitch or outside. Get him on the outside because he's shifty and elusive. So I mean, it remains to be seen. In the second round, they went with the wide receiver slash running back, but he's going to be playing wide receiver Curtis Samuel, the explosive playmaker out of the Ohio State University, which I cannot attend it. Um, but you know, I, I like it, man. They need some speed because, like I said, they need slow. This whole receiver core is slow. But getting Curtis Samuel in there to add that speed, man, is definitely going to help out. So, with that being said, I'm glad you guys finally got some speed and got a couple playmakers because Cam Newton needs some help on this offensive side of the ball. All right. I guess that only leads to Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta, I kind of mixed about their draft. I want to like it, but – I don't know. I just feel funny about it. If I had to give them a grade, which I won't, but if I had to, it'd be, they would pass. They would pass. Um, But I don't think they would make the honor roll. Uh, Of course, everybody knows the first round pick to Karis McKinley, the super hustling uh, defensive end at UCLA. Uh, Everybody know he put, brought up there, brought a picture, portrait of his grandmother, cussed on air, uh, Dion put him in check, which I thought was a, a great job by Dion. Um, I told my grandma I'm gonna make it to the NFL. I told her. I told him I'm going to right. the NFL. God damn it, I'm going to the NFL. He's a die. He he. I think he dropped the f bomb. But uh, <laughs> but uh, but Dion set him straight. And long he listened to Dion and take um, what he says to heart. Harness that energy. Uh, I think he's gonna be a great player. Six two two fifty. Um, I think he he's more of an outside linebacker to me, but people say yeah he could play that four three end at six two two fifty. I guess I guess, but I, I see him more of his three four outside linebacker. But anyway, the dude can hustle. I think he's gonna he has a high motor, tough dude, and as you can see, he has that passion. Uh, so I think he's gonna be a player. I think it was, it was a great pickup, great draft. Um, but then. You could tell that Kyle Shanahan's influence is is being missed because they went heavy on the defensive side of the ball uh, towards the beginning of this draft, which is a good thing. Uh, Their offense, they already have great pieces on offense, uh, but what they really need is to address that O-line, which they did, but not until the fourth round. I mean, they got Sean Harlow, uh, you know, the guard out of Oregon State, I'm kind of lukewarm on the dude. I, I've heard some other people say this is a good pickup. They like him. I don't know. I didn't watch enough tape on this dude. Uh, but Oregon State, they ain't known for their offensive linemen. Let's just put it like that. And, and, so, and Chuck, Chuck, let me let me let me pause you right there, man. We we got the 
the phone lines blowing up, man. It seems like we got some calls from Atlanta calling in. So you want to go ahead and let's put let's put this caller on the air. All right, man. Let's do it. All right, welcome to the show. Who are we speaking with? Oh, what's up, man? This is Nas. Okay, what's going on, man? Ain't nothing, man. Just checking in, listening to the show. See y'all getting into the Falcons, Falcons draft. Okay. Yeah, that, 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 that I don't know, man. That, that was interesting with the DN, man, because it's like uh, sometimes as older folks, we kind of miss on some of the things that younger folks are into. They're into attention-seeking. They're into creating moments that they can storify on their little Snapchat. And they kind of behave in that way. So it's like a soundbite-type culture. So I think young people is looking at that like, oh, man, he turned, man, dude going to be, you know, X, Y, and Z. So if he goes out there after, you know, the, the injury is addressed or whatever, and he performs, that dude's star-making ability as a D-end is, is something that you usually don't, kind of set up in football that's more of a basketball thing but uh yeah he was emotional and that was a little erratic to do it the way he did it but it looked authentic and I think a lot of people took it took that in well and you know as far as the sensibilities of NFL fans look man you got people out here basically getting CTE for a living and and people want to you know clutch pearls and whatnot like come on man like this football man <laughs> that's what I say to them but uh, yeah, so I don't know, man. That that was a real interesting moment, though, when you think about it. But, yeah, you're right about the O-line. They waited to address it later, starting to sound like them old Falcon coaches who used to think they could coach up any O-lineman, and uh, MV7 used to get the hell beat out of them because of that, uh, not addressing quality linemen. So we'll see if they, they figure out something. But uh, I wanted to hear about that D-tackle, too, uh, if y'all know the the guy from KC, uh, Poe, if, like, if y'all could get into that. But uh, – Good job, yeah, so I mean, far, real man. Quick. Just been checking you. Not, not real quick, man. You know, let me let me speak on Poe, man. I like Poe. Problem is, he hasn't played to his potential. He he's like a lazy football player, man, because he's got them weight issues. You know how them big old hogs are, man. Them big old dudes, man. You know, when, when they getting paid, man. You know, they weight just all over the place. If he can keep the weight down and is motivated this year, because you gotta understand, he only signed for a one year deal. So this should be like a motivation deal. If he can come in there and wreck have it, you know, play the run very well, show a little bit, a few initial bursts, you know, to get to the quarterback, a little bit past rushing skills as well, I think that will help him going into free agency next year and get a long-term contract. But if he comes in sloppy, out of shape, out of training camp, man, and, and it's lazy and all this stuff, man, I don't think he's going to be in the league much longer. I mean, a lot of people are talking about – I've heard analysts talking about, oh, this is like the greatest pickup this offseason for the Falcons. Yeah, I mean, he's a space eater. That, that's what he is. But if he can play, you know, with a chip on the shoulder – because I'll be pissed off. You know, if I'm a big old hog and I know I only got a one-year deal when I deserve like a five-, six-, seven-year contract, I'm going to go out there and ball. So if he come out and ball, we'll see how he do, man. All right, man. Appreciate that, man. I was okay. wondering about right. buddy. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks for being on there, man. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks for the call, yep. Nas. Yep. <laughs> All right. Oh, Nas, man. I was thinking to myself, like, is that my boy Nas, man? You know, because, you know, Nas came on like Queensbridge. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Is Nas even a football fan? He, you know, he. Is, we talk about the rapper Nas because in New Yorkers, you know, I like, is he a Jets, Giants fan, what? 
Man, it depends on what cush he's smoking, man. If he got that good cush, man, he might be a Giant fan that night. <laughs> if, he got that, if he got that good green, he a Giants fan. If he got yeah, that, right, that, right, that, right, purple, right that purple stuff, he might be a Giants fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He might be leaning with it. But anyway, go ahead, Chuck, man. I'm sorry to cut Chuck off, man. I know these phones are blowing up. But let me tell you one one thing, fans. You got to hit us up before, before the show because we didn't have some wild, crazy callers. Get at us on Twitter. Just, you know, send us a quick tweet like, hey. I'm gonna be on the show now. I'm gonna call in. Bam, we got y'all. Okay. All right. So, well, give them a, give them our Twitter thing. You just gonna leave them hanging. Ah, uh, well, you know, at Neek and Chuck. Um, that's our Twitter name, at Neek and Chuck. How you Go ahead and hit us up. N i q u e, n i q u e, and Chuck. C h u c k. And ain't nothing ghetto, ain't nothing country with it. Because I know some people say, oh, you talking about Chuck, this C-H-U-C, right? No, no, no. C-H-U-C-K. <laughs> that is properly spelled as Chuck. All right. Yeah, we talked enough about the Falcons. Uh, let's move on. What division are we doing next? All right. Let's switch it all over to the AFC, man, because I, I just want to get on this AFC East division. And, and I want to start off with the Jets because – you know, we we pretty much agree that this year the Jets is probably gonna be the worst team in the NFL. I mean, you you agree with me? I concur, Captain. Okay, okay, you concur. Well, I'm glad you concur. So we understand that the Jets they have so many holes on this team. I mean, a lot of holes, man. We talking about they wear some old school damaged jeans with holes, 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 holes everywhere, man. They just they clothes are just faded, man. This roster is just outdated, just faded. And the problem is, you look at that secondary. Man, they drafted Calvin Pryor a few years ago, and they thought he was going to come in and be a beast. But Calvin Pryor, man, you know how I always like to say on the show, you know where you hail from? He hails from the overrated nation. Yeah, a little too overrated. <laughs> and then on top of that, man, the Jets organization was trying to trade him during the draft. So <clears throat> since they couldn't find a trade partner, and they went ahead and decided in the first round to, you know, draft the safety, uh, Jamal Adams, strong safety, Jamal Adams out of LSU, who will be starting over Calvin Pryor. So Calvin Pryor right now, he's playing backup, bro. And I'm sure all training camp, he's probably going to be griping and bitching and complaining about this because he's feel like, you know, uh, he, he's a first-round pick. He's a former first-round pick. So I'm sure his feelings are probably hurting over all this, but he's going to have to suck it up. But I don't see Calvin Pryor make out of training camp because you know what's going to happen with him. He need to get dropped off. Need to get dropped off immediately. <laughs> so that's what's gonna happen with him. And then they picked up second round free safety Marcus May, who will start over Marcus Giltrest. So Giltrest and Pryor, man, the Jets had a horror show. I mean, that was like the the worst horror Broadway show ever. I mean, last year it was just pathetic. Balls, his bombs were just. Remember the Outcast song, "Bombs Over Baghdad." It was just bombs over Calvin Pryor and Marcus Giltrest all year long. Touchdown, touchdown, that's how it was all season long. <laughs> but I do like the third-round pick, a wide receiver, Aldarius Stewart, big playability written all over him. And I feel bad for my boy Devin Smith, Mr. V, Ohio State University, man, who they drafted a couple years ago because they thought he was going to be that playmaker, but just can't stay healthy. And the news just broke last weekend. He tore his ACL again. So I hate to say it, man. I think Delvin Smith's career is going to pretty much be short over here pretty much soon. So with that being said, I like how they attack the secondary, but, man, they got to dress the offensive line, the receivers, um, defense line. They got to replace the ancient old man, Calvin Pace. Yeah, this, this team's got a lot of hoes, man. So that's enough from the Jets. I, damn, man, I spent two minutes talking about the Jets. That gone it, my bad. 
It's all good, Nick. And you know what, Nick? You know I love that warm weather. That's why. That's part of the reason I'm in Southern California. So let me go down to another warm weather climate and then talk about the Miami Dolphins. Uh, everybody fans, you know, if you listen to the show, I hate on the Miami Dolphins a lot because they they kind of deserve it. But you know what? They surprised me last year. They went ten and six. They, I bet you, they guarantee they surprised themselves. They went ten and six overall, four and two a division, four and two in the division, and they're in the same division as New England Patriots. But when you really look at examine this team, you like, how the hell did they go ten and six? I mean, their offense was rated twenty fourth overall. Uh, their running game was okay. Passing game was terrible. We get we're getting to Ryan Tannehill. You know we save him for another show. Talking about Ryan Tannehill. And then that defense, uh, they was wait 29th overall. They stunk against the run. I mean, average against the pass. Uh, and Dominican Sue making all that damn money. Uh, but I guess he's doing the best he can. And, you know, he had 72 tackles, five sacks last year. So there's a lot of places on this team. There are a lot of positions on this team where they need to uh, they need to address, and the draft was a great place to address these needs because, as we always say, you build your franchise through the draft. Uh, and the, the Dolphins, they're trying to build their team through free agency, and it's not going to work. They brought in Dominican Sue, made him the highest paid defensive player in the league until uh, whoever got just got a bigger check than him. Then they took the the Byron Maxwell, aka Burnt Toast. They took his bum ass contract from the Eagles. I know the Eagles sent Tenenbaum a birthday gift card every year uh for taking Byron Maxwell off of their hands. They bring his ass in, his overrated ass in, and they they're just overpaying these guys when you really need to build through the draft. And when I look at their draft, I'm lukewarm, man, because I think at the 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 first part of their draft, I, I I like what they did. Charles Harris, the outside linebacker from Missouri, I liked him. Um, I, I like him a lot. Uh, I know I don't know if I was talking to you, Nick, or somebody else. Where it's talking about, nah, we cool with Charles Harris. I think Charles Harris is gonna be a hell of a player. Um, and then one of my favorite linebackers, who I wish my Bengals would have got, is Raekwon McMillan from the Ohio State University. Oh, uh, shit. Sure. Right, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I hope uh, twenty years ago, his, his, you know, Wu Tang wasn't in this city. But anyway, I won't go there and talk about my man's uh, pappy like that. But uh, yeah, Raekwon McMillan, who I think is, he's gonna be a, a very good player. Uh, I just think his only. But you, you gonna have to see with Raekwon McMillan, you're gonna have to protect him. And what I mean is, you're gonna have to protect him like the Baltimore Ravens used to protect Ray Lewis. You know, Ray Ray Lewis had some big old big old hogs in in front of him, uh, Saragusa and uh, all them all them fat backs. You know, up there protecting him from linemen, so he could just run and make the tackle. I think for in order for Raekwon McMillan to have a successful career, I think they need to do a similar scheme with him. You got to protect him so he don't get he don't get engaged by the by uh by the lineman cuz I think when he gets engaged he ain't, he ain't going to get off. You know, so if you can protect him, I think that he's going to be a hell of a uh a hell of a uh, linebacker in this league. And then they addressed the cornerback position in the third round. Okay, uh the dude, I don't know how to say his name, so I ain't going to mess it up. The cornerback from Clemson. The homie Cordrea. Yeah, yeah, the homie Cordrea. Um Okay, but they didn't address the offense until the fifth round, and they got a guard from Utah, uh, Isaiah Asadi, uh, 6'3", 323 pounds from Utah. 
I mean, come on, come on, man. Like, your offense needs some help. I mean, they need some help. I mean, Ryan Tannehill, last year, you know, he's been, he's accurate with the passes, um, but he's throwing too many picks. He needs some help out there. Um, offensive line, you could have drafted the offensive lineman. I know we, y'all got Tunsil last year. He came in. He's replacing your boy, uh, you know, who I don't like, uh, replacing him at tackle who they got rid of, which was a smart move. But I think they waited way too late to address the offensive side of the ball. I think they need some more pay, playmakers. Devontae Parker, he had a decent decent year last year. Kenny Steels, okay. Jarvis Landry had over 1,000 yards. But – and then they brought in Julian Thomas – or Julius Thomas is there. Uh, but we know what he did last year, which was not Jack Dudu. Uh, but, you know, maybe this year he'll be healthy. This year he'll be able to produce. If so – then the Dolphins had to have a good look, but I, I really wish the Dolphins would address the offense side of the ball a little bit more, but I understand. They play in the AFC East. You got to play the Patriots twice every year. Uh, you can never have too many good cornerbacks, uh, uh, never had too many good linebackers to uh, try to rein in those Patriots, but I think they really shorted themselves by not addressing the offensive side of the ball uh, earlier in the draft, but you know what? When you only have a limited amount of, uh, of draft picks, that that's what happens. So, um, okay, draft. Like I said, some good pieces. They picked up some good pieces on the defensive side of the ball, but that offensive side of the ball, man, they they gonna be hurting. Two things, man. I wish we can get a bunch of little kids in here. And when you said Julius Thomas, I wish the kids can say Julius Thomas is dookie. <laughs> <laughs> His play was dookie, man, dookie. Oh, that'd be hilarious. But anyway, I just want to piggyback off what you said. Chuck, when I look at the linebacker core for the Dolphins, I'm trying to figure out what the hell they're doing. Because you bring in Lawrence Timmons. We already know the middle side, middle linebacker is locked down by Kiko Alonzo, right? And then you look over at that strong side, you got uh, uh, Neville Hewitt, who was decent last year. And then you got Meesey over at the uh, the other side at the um, uh, weak side. So you bring in Lawrence Timmons, who's a middle linebacker, and then you draft Raekwon McKillen, the chef, who's also a middle linebacker. So I'm trying to figure this out. You're not running a 3-4, you're running a 4-3. So you just think that these two middle linebackers who are lacking in speed, that they can just easily make the change to um, strong side or weak side. That's what I'm trying to figure out to me. I don't make sense, man. I don't make sense. But hey, yeah, I mean, it, it, it doesn't make sense. I mean, Tenenbaum, what he does to Dolphins GM, never makes sense. Everybody know, always harping on him. Like I said, he deserved it. Like I said last year, I don't know how in the hell the Dolphins went ten and six. Uh, but you know what? You, like, oh, the great Denny Green said, the late great Denny Green said, you are what your record says you are. And they were ten and six last year, which is a pretty damn good record. But I, I just don't see it on this roster, man. And I don't think it's gonna happen again. I don't think Lightning is gonna strike two years in a row. I don't see them if they go ten and six again this year or better. I, I don't know what I do. I, I say I eat my hat, but I don't wear a hat, so I don't know what I do. I figure something out later on. But uh, this draft, I. Uh, they got some talent, neat, but like like you just said, where the linebackers gonna play? What I I I don't get it. But you know what? That's why Tenenbaum has paid the big bucks because I guess he does. And if I'm a general manager, especially like the Raiders, Reggie McKenzie, where we need a middle linebacker, please make the call and say, look, 
Come on, man. Tenenbaum, you got Raekwon McKillen, <laughs> McMillan. You got uh, Lawrence Timmons and Kiki Alonso. All three of these players can start on any team in the league, but you got three middle linebackers, man. I mean, come on, man. Look, can we get one of them? Come on. Let's lift round pick. Let's make a change. Come on. Let's talk this. And, anyway. And no, and no corners. And no corners. Because you still got that You still got that bum, Byron Maxwell, a.k.a. Burnt Toe, who, you know what? I keep harping on the dude, but he played a little bit better than I expected last year. <laughs> he was in some Eagles. Whoo. Whew, I guess that that sunny weather uh, helped him, uh, you know, helped him a little bit. But he still ain't hey. that money getting. Well, I'm, I'm gonna tell you like this, man. When you got a big time deficiency, you can get away with it for half a season. But now it's a new season, and you know I can't wait to bring back who gave up that as a war because we know <laughs> Byron Maxwell, Tony Lipton, and Xavier Howard. All these Dolphins corners, they will all probably be making their appearance or probably weekly appearance on who gave up that ass award with no Vaseline. They just gave it up too easily. So that's what is probably going to go down with this second. Anyway, all right, New England Patriots, they only had five picks, and they didn't pick into the third round. Eh, no worries. No need to trade up because me and this team is pretty much loaded. In the third round, I love to pick up the defensive end from YSU, which is Youngstown. You know, fans, Chuck and I, both from Ohio. Chuck's from the Natty. I'm from the DYT, Bernard. Dayton, Youngstown. We all right, all right. Youngstown. That's enough. That's enough information. All right, all right, all right. That's enough. Right. Okay, all right. Giving out them, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. The thing with Derrick Rivers, man, he could see action at the weak line side backer position. Um, he could actually start over Shay McClellan. Um, I mean, Shay Shay was decent last year. Shay pretty much got him a ring. He's pretty still pretty much been a bust to me since uh, the Bears took him out of Boise State a few years ago. Um, I love the versatile tackle Antonio Garcia, who they took from Troy. Massive six six. He can play both tackles positions. Um, he's going to give great depth behind Nate Soder, which is perfect because he can learn from one of the best tackles in the game. And then the fourth round, I need to contact Mama Wise, man, because I see they took Dietrich Wise. I'm going to say, hold on, Dietrich Wise, am I related to him? I don't know, I got to call Mama Wise and see if we related to uh, to Dietrich. But they took Dietrich Wise, um, the defensive end, who's going to be backing up uh, Trey Flowers at that end position. And both that being said, man, Patriots, they, they addressed it through their needs. And I even said on last week's show, I said this team really doesn't have much needs. But I could say they can get outside linebacker defense in. And guess what? They went out there and did that. So, Patriots, they're set. Who we got left? Buffalo Bills. Make this quick. No Bills. Uh, I think we run out of time on the show. Uh, Buffalo Bills, we know what, we know what they underachieved last year, 7-9. Uh, but you know what? They played better than I thought they would. Uh, obviously, quarterback – Nick, I know we talk about this every week. Quarterback, we just don't believe in that Tyrod Taylor. We don't believe in that Cardell Jones. Uh, but you know what? Every time we say that, Nick, Tyrod Taylor, he goes out there and he produces a little bit. The thing about Tyrod Taylor, we, we do have to give him love on, is that he knows how to protect the ball. And if you're able to protect the ball, you can win a lot of football games, especially if you have an excellent running game like the Bills had last year. Uh, but in this draft – I, I know in our pre-draft show, I don't know if you mentioned it or I mentioned it or we both mentioned it, but we thought that cornerback should be – or not cornerback, but wide receiver should be addressed 
early in this draft. Uh, and we all was pegging for Mike Williams, uh, wide receiver from Clemson. Thought it'd be a great story for him to, to team up with his, his former alumnus, uh, Sammy Watkins. Uh, that would have been a great story. Uh, but Mike Williams got swooped up with quickness. Uh, so the Bills, they addressed cornerback, uh, the cornerback position uh, with their first overall pick in Tredavious White, cornerback from LSU, who I like. Uh, uh, I think I even mentioned him. I can't remember what team I thought he should go to, but I was thinking it was AFC East team, but we got to go back and listen to the tape. Tredavious White, I think that was a good pickup. Even though last year, their corners played pretty solid last year. And as far as their defense, go, their defense goes, they were ranked sixth overall when it came to passing. So the quarterbacks did their job last year. But I always say you can never have too many good quarterbacks. Uh, but yeah, with their second pick, and their second round pick, they finally addressed uh, the wide receiver position when they picked up Zay Jones, uh, wide receiver from East Carolina. That's my boy. <sighs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did talk about him, didn't you? So I think yeah, 158 catches in one season. Hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I think this is great. I think this is their best pick. Um, their best pick of the draft. Uh, I think, like you said, Nick, this dude has potential. He has hands. He produced in college. You can't go wrong with that. Uh, then the third round, they they uh. Drafted Deion Dawkins, the guard from Temple. Uh, Temple is not known for their offensive linemen, but you know what? I like Deion Dawkins. I think it was a good pickup by the Buffalo Bills. So, overall, I think the Bills had a good draft. Uh, they did draft the quarterback in the fifth round. Uh, I, I, he ain't gonna, I don't think he's ever going to see the field because, you know, I don't think he's ever going to overtake Tyrod Taylor. But, um, you know what? You never know. He might be the next Tom Brady, uh, Nathan Peterman, uh, quarterback from Pittsburgh, but I highly doubt it. But overall, Buffalo Bills had a good draft. They addressed some needs, some, some concerns. Uh, and like I always say, you had never had too many good cornerbacks. And Shadavius White, I think they could ease him into the process. I think he's going to have a good career. So uh, pretty solid uh, draft by the Buffalo Bills. All right. Two things we got to touch on about the Bills, man. The Bills announced that they declined to pick up Sammy Watkins' fifth-year option, which means he wouldn't end up being a free agent next year. Now, actually, this this is a smart move because Watkins has all the talent in the world. He just got mm-hmm. that foot and He's got those foot injuries. So this is a big year for him. You know, he needs to go out there and stay healthy for the full season, dominate. I'm talking about dominate, but I hate to say it, it's kind of hard to dominate when you got a uh, Tyrod Taylor as your quarterback. And, you know, no knock on Tyrod. I got to give Tyrod props last year because, like you said, Chuck, he protected the ball, and he looked a little more comfortable because, you know, I always thought of Tyrod Taylor as a playground quarterback. You know, playground quarterback, they run around too much. You know, they they, they look at their first read, up, oh, got to go. <laughs> you know, because they're, they're scared. They Michael Vick was a playground quarterback. Well, yeah, but Vic, Vic made plays, though. I mean, he made plays. Tyrod, eh, he made, man, I don't know. I don't know. But the thing of it is, Tyrod did get a little more comfortable last year. He started going through his progressions, you know, looked his first read, second read. Okay, then now it's time to take off. Now it's time to scramble. So he makes plays on the run. But a lot of defenses started getting hip to him. They started game plan for him, say, hey, you know, let's just keep him in the pocket. We already know what he's going to do, QB spies ass, keep him in the pocket. But 
I just, man, I just can't see Sammy Watkins putting up 100 catches this year, you know, 15, 1,600 yards with Tyrod Taylor as his quarterback. I just can't see it. I think Sammy Watkins could have, like, 80 catches, um, you know, barely uh, over 1,000 this year and stay healthy for 16 games. You know, maybe a team next next free agency uh, next year will probably, you know, throw him a nice contract. But he's got to stay healthy. And Tyrod, you got to take the next step. And Nathan Peterman, let me tell you, Nathan Peterman, the quarterback from Pittsburgh, I love this kid right here. I think he has a good shot to actually be the Bills starter. If Tyrod gets hurt from, you know, all that scrambling running around, I'm just saying I'm not, you know, I wish an injury on him. But if he gets hurt and Nathan Peterman gets in there and steps in, I'm telling you, watch Nathan Peterman. has a good, solid arm, you know, um, um, has a great feel for the game, knows how to climb the pocket. Um, loves football. That's the thing, you know, when I've seen his interviews and read about him, kind of scouting him myself, I mean, this kid is a football junkie. And, you know, yeah, he comes from Pitt, but he has that fire and that desire to be great. So I think, man, I'm telling you, man, I don't 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 sleep on Nathan Peterman. I, I like this kid, man. I'm pulling for him. So, you know, if but you got Tyrod Taylor, go ahead. Maybe in three or four years. But if you put that dude out this year, which is what sounds like what you're saying, he's going to get his ass ate up like a ham sandwich. Like, no, nah, like Nathan Peterman, uh, I read, yeah, maybe, like I said, three or four years, Nathan Peterman, he'll have something. Yes, like you said, he's a football junkie. I remember that game he had against Woozy, against Clemson. Uh, he, he looked like a pro quarterback, and I think Pitt runs a lot of pro offenses. So, yes. But this year, next year, no, I don't think so. Three, four years down well, the road, hey. then you got me. Nobody thought about that with Dak Prescott, man. So, hey, hey, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Dak <laughs> Prescott is once in the blue moon. I know. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. I'll just try but to you know what, Nick? Now that I think about it, you made a good point. Because what helped Dak Prescott was that running game. And yeah. what does Buffalo Bills have? They got a running game. So, you know what? You may be right, Nick. You may be right. I concede. I concede. And what's crazy is is that Sean McDermott, the Bills head coach, they signed two of the best fullbacks in the league. Mm-hmm. And we already know the Bills were in the top five as rushing attack last year. I think it was top two or maybe top three. They was number one. No, oh. oh, they was number one. Okay, my bad. Hey, they was number one. So think about this now. McDermott's already saying this is the AFC East. We've got the Patriots. We got to keep the Patriots off the field. You know what I'm saying? We got to keep Tom Brady and that offense off the field. Look at the Dolphins. Man, they got a nice high-five-powered high offense, man. I mean, if you look at the receiving cores, there's a lot of talent right there. You know, if Tannehill's healthy, they can spread the ball around a lot. Jets, you ain't worried about them. So, in this division, McDermott's saying we're going to be smash-mouth, 15, 16-play drives, control that clock. I like it. I like the two fullbacks, man. I love smash-mouth football. You know you and I, Chuck, we hate to spread we don't like them little three play drives and scoring and you know, and then uh uh you know, put your defense out there. Nah, man, we don't like all that, man. We like to control that clock, you know, keep our defense over there fresh and good to go. So yeah, man, I I'm 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 really curious to see how they're gonna work these two fullbacks in in McDermott's system this year. And Bills fans, we'll see, man. I mean, we'll see what uh Taylor can do this year and we'll see how this goes. But anyway, fans. Show's winding down. We're running out of time. I know, excuse me, I know AFC North, uh, AFC South fans, AFC West fans, 
and the NFC East and the North and the South. Actually, we finished up the South. <clears throat> but we will get to you guys next week. I promise you that. Chuck and I promise you that. My boy Nazia Jones from Atlanta, ATL. Thanks for calling in tonight. Fans, he, he, he didn't say his last name was Jones. He didn't say his last name was Jones. He just said it's not. No, I thought he just I, said I, I it's Nas. I could have sworn he said this is Nas. I could have sworn he said that. But hey, nah, he said this is Nas. Ah, okay, all right, all right. Well, my bad. Anyway, much love, much love for Nas for calling <laughs> me. That's what you dropped. <laughs> yeah, my bad. But anyway, fans, we missed the show live. I always go to iTunes, look for the Neek and Chuck Pro Football Talk Show. Fans, we will see you next week. Have a good week, fans. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.